This podcast is for those making bold moves to reverse global warming. We are the Determined Ones, solving humanity's gnarliest challenges. It's a podcast on climate action, the determined mindset, and how standing out helps you make a meaningful impact. 10 mistakes that make your website look unprofessional. This is Sarah. Hey, this is Mark. We are the Determined, and in this episode, we'll cover 10 mistakes we see climate startups and other organizations making on their websites. We will leave you armed with knowledge that you can use to audit and improve your website, see what's not working, and make it more professional looking. So I have a question, Sarah. Yes. What's your website for? What is your website for? So back to the basics. Your website is to represent your business, your brand. Um, it's to attract new customers. It's to attract new partners. It's to attract new investors or to attract employees. And so in order to do that, you need to look professional. You need to look like a legitimate company, like you know what you're doing, which gives your, um, the people that you're trying to attract a sense of trust. Uh, oh, this organization is polished on their website. They know what they're doing. And that whole thing enhances your reputation. So when you do it well, people understand what your company does and what it stands for, and then you get funding and you sell your product or you sell your service or you attract the employees that you need to grow, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, sounds about right. So shall we break down these 10 mistakes? Let's do it. All right. Um, this is a, a phrase we just kind of learned from a colleague of ours, well-meaning brochure where. I love it. Well-meaning <laughs> brochure where. We, um, can I say where it came from? Sure. We teach an interaction design graduate program, and one of the other professors is really intelligent and, and was saying this is something that we see a lot in interaction design is people design a website, and it's just, it's a static, like it could be printed on a piece of paper and handed to you. It's a well-meaning <laughs> brochure on the web. Or like a someone just up uploaded a PowerPoint yes. deck, if you will. So yeah, if your site could basically be your PowerPoint sales deck or a brochure printed out and handed to someone, you're not like using the web medium for all of the things that it can be good for. So you're really missing a lot of opportunity. So how do we solve it? If you think about your website from the visitor's perspective, think about what are they coming to your website to do? And then make sure to lead them through that action sequence, that doing, using the content that might be in your brochure as supporting material, not as the main material. So leading them through, you're not leading them through a brochure with a button that's like, click next. It's a lot more interactive than that. For example, what is something that a website can do that a brochure can't? Hmm, maybe capture visitors' information. Yeah, so then you can follow up with them via email mm -hmm. every week, and you can stay top of mind and uh, get them, you know, like, help them get to know you and get to mm -hmm. like you and get to trust you. Yeah, something we, we try to do on our end. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, so that's number one, well-meaning brochure wear. Number two, we see this a lot, way too much content, big, chunky paragraphs with small text no one will ever read. Mm-hmm. People who are browsing the web do not want to read, <laughs> period. I could just say period. But they especially do not want to read big blocks of small text on a computer screen. It's just not what they're looking for. Um, people skim 
they are in a hurry, they read the bullet points and the headlines, they're looking for information, they're looking for something, and so they just skim over, they see a big block of small text, and they just see it as, you know, like decoration. They don't read it. So how do you fix that? Well, I would say you need to format your text into tiny blocks with bullets, perhaps. Definitely scannable headlines yeah. to address, you know, the, what you just said, that people just do scan. I personally am guilty. If I click on an article, I actually scroll through it first to kind of see the length of what I'm about to get into. Um, I think Medium.com, the publishing platform, they started the whole trend of putting in the number of minutes it's mm -hmm. going to take for you to read, which is always helpful. Um yeah, and so, again, kind of format your text into tiny blocks. If you want to put bullets in there, great. What are some takeaways that they can um, remember after reading? Yeah, a good rule of thumb is, like, if you blur your eyes, um, like, that's what people do when they're skimming. It's, they kind of see this wall of text, and it just, when you blur your eyes, it looks like a gray block. So if you blur your eyes and look at it, and you can still grasp the main points that you're trying to get across without going into that fuzzy gray block, then you're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. And you're probably thinking, well, I have a lot of content. It's all important, which I'm sure it is. Uh, you might want to think about putting supportive content, extra content, in another page. So maybe you have a learn more. So maybe the, the block of text that we're talking about is a, a high-level general description or... or um, uh, general overview and then have a learn more page so this way they can get, dive deeper if they really want to yeah so people when they're reading stuff on the web they might read what is this about a couple bullet points and headlines <clears throat> and then they're like oop that's not what I'm looking for move on mm -hmm. but if that is what they're looking for they are willing to click in deeper and read a one pager or a report or something yeah, invest their time into that yeah cool so number three um, using a layout template that doesn't make sense for the content. And we put this in here because with the rise of Squarespace and Wix and WordPress and all these CMSs, uh, CMS stands for Content Management System, uh, it's making it a lot easier for the average person to put up their own online website, which is great. But we feel like some of these templates don't really make sense for the content, so you got to think about that. Yeah, so you'll pick a layout template or you'll just use the default one that comes in for free. And it doesn't necessarily fit what you have to say or present. But what we see a lot of times is people just kind of squeeze in their content to fit this awkward shape that isn't meant for them. Um, like you'll see maybe like four squares across the bottom that are all sort of saying the same thing. You'll repeat the same information in different ways to fill up those four squares because that was part of the template. Right. Yeah. I The image that comes to mind is sticking a, a round peg in a square hole. Absolutely. And, and yeah. what that does is it makes a lot of the content on your website either irrelevant or repetitive. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you're missing the opportunity to use this medium of the web to you know, do what you need it to do, look professional and gain trust and get people through the actions that they came to your website to do. And before moving on, the the three that we talked about just now, if done well, it makes just more for a better, more pleasant experience. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you solve this? You've got a free website template and you've got some content and they don't mm -hmm. fit. What do you do? Yeah, you figure out a way where I uh, figure out what content you want people to walk away with. Um, maybe doing some rough sketches on paper. We're huge fans of wireframing. 
uh, spend 20, 30 minutes, sheet of paper, eight and a half by 11 and some Sharpies and know the content you want to have. And then based on the template or based on some of the templates offered, wireframe it out and figure out what that content needs to, where it needs to live, whether it's the general high level content and then they'll learn more stuff or breaking down one page in different uh, sections. Now I'm hearing you say that you use the word wireframe as if people know what you're talking about. Like that can be like a really fancy sounding word to somebody who's not a designer. Um, we use wireframes in a very low fidelity format. Mm -hmm. So paper markers, basically websites are just made of boxes. So mm -hmm. you draw the boxes for the header, you draw the boxes for the other stuff. Um, anyone can do that. You don't need to be a graphic designer yeah. or anything like that. Think of it as the blueprint of mm -hmm. your website. And you might need to do a few iterations of a wireframe before you feel like you, you got something. But investing in, in that early is going to save you so much time when you're actually in Squarespace or Wix. Yeah. So before you even look at the templates that are available, you need to have this sketch done on paper. And then you can choose a template that matches the rough boxes that you drew out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes it much easier. <clears throat> so number four, um, kind of, again, going away from content and kind of zooming out, using images that have nothing to do with the content. Generic images, busy images, just any random images found on, on Google search. And what's wrong with that? <laughs> images and text need to back each other up. They um, add meaning to what you're trying to say. So back when we were talking about how people maybe scan or blur their eyes when they're looking for certain information, that includes the images. So you can have a headline that says, this is the information that you want, or you can have an image that says, this is the information that you want. They go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it'd be good to perhaps test some of these images with some people that are perhaps not part of your company and ask them to be honest about what they think the images have to do with the text. Do the images help? Do they distract? So again, you can probably include this in the wireframing too. So uh, just like you can put a wireframe in front of someone and see what they think about it, put some images in there. Or if you want to get super creative, print out the images to scale on your wireframe and just literally glue your image on the wireframe. Yeah. So scotch tape. Yeah. So taking it from low fidelity to perhaps mid fidelity and then showing that to people, get their feedback. And again, it's investing in that early on is going to save you so much more time when you're actually in the back end updating the website. Yeah. I think sometimes people just try to be too clever or they know what their solution does. Um, I will use an example, a company that I am a full supportive of. Um, they essentially make concrete. And one of the first uh, images that you see on their website is of coral reefs in the ocean. And you do kind of understand after getting to know their company how the concrete is um, related to the same uh, chemistry that coral reefs are made out of. And there's kind of a tenuous connection there. But visitors to the website for the first time have absolutely no idea what this company has to do with coral reefs. And so it just feels totally disconnected. Um, and it might give somebody the impression that they land on a website that isn't what they were looking for. Mm -hmm. It can be very confusing. So that can be very distracting. Definitely test it out and make sure that the images are communicating what you want them to communicate. On to number five. And this has a special place in my heart um, <laughs> because I have a degree in web design from way back in 2001. And it was kind of the rise of crazy, flashy, bells and whistles and flash and all these all these things and it's funny that we still see uh 
yeah, these flashy plugins, i.e. parallax and other types of these unnecessary things added to websites when they don't really need to be added to. So Yeah, we see it a lot. Yeah, so just because maybe WordPress or Squarespace has these types of uh, plugins or options doesn't mean you really should use them. <laughs> yeah, when we were talking about not making your website just a static brochure on the screen, we're not necessarily mean we don't necessarily mean that you should just add animations and sounds <laughs> because it's the web. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I think you can easily talk about this the same way you talk about people's PowerPoint presentations or keynote presentations. Sure. Just because they have the animation and the the swipe plugins and the flashy and uh, transitions doesn't mean you really need to use them. Does it make you look more professional? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so generally, uh, you only need to use animations or technology or sound when it helps get a point across or emphasizes something important, draws the eye somewhere, like it has a reason. Um, simple is usually better. Simple helps you appear more polished and professional, like you know what you're doing. Um, and a lot of times people don't think about mobile devices. That animation or that video or that sound effect takes a lot longer to download when you're on a mobile device. Mm -hmm. um, your users are in a hurry. Even if they're not on a mobile device, they're still in a hurry. They don't want to wait for that download. So you need to be able to impress them, yes, but impress them with your powerful messaging and your relevant images and how well everything is organized and how clean it is. Not fancy whiz-bang slideshows and animations and, you know, superfluous stuff. <laughs> Number six, using really bright colors or too many colors, and there's no emphasis of hierarchy. Um, this is something I believe is in Sarah's wheelhouse. I'm not the best <laughs> color person, I'll admit. Color is hard. It is hard. Color is a difficult skill to wield. Um, there is a right way to use color so that it emphasizes what you're trying to communicate, so that it represents your brand's personality. Um, color can convey certain emotions. You can use color to guide the viewer's eye through the site. So using too many colors or not enough color or being unintentional with color, just throwing it everywhere, it can really confuse and overwhelm the viewer. So. What you should do instead, you know, color is a really broad topic, but generally on the web, if you really think about it, you really look at the screens that you look at every day, they are mostly monochrome, black and white, gray, um, and then they might have one color used very minimally, um, usually the button, the main call to action, or the thing that you need to do next is the color and everything else is black and white, and that is absolutely intentional. Um, so usually you'll just use your brand color for links and action buttons, making sure that that brand color is bright enough to guide the viewer's eye and different from the text that you're using on the page. Um, I do see some people using their brand color as the headline color and images everywhere that color. And so then you lose that emphasis where you're, if you want to use, you know, make that color pop and direct it to the big button. Um, if you're already using that color everywhere else, it doesn't mean anything anymore. So, um, so if you want, sorry, if you want any more than that one color, so if you're doing like black and white plus one color, um, you might want to ask a designer for their eye just because color is hard. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of buttons, number seven, mm -hmm. using links for main call to action, CTA, 
or using a button for an external link. Yeah. So using the internet for however many years we've been using the internet, we've mostly learned certain cues. Um, those cues are visual, like a link is usually a different color than the text or underlined, and clicking that will either take you somewhere that gives you more information about whatever you clicked on, or take you to another page of the site. Um, and then buttons, which are usually like a square, maybe rounded corners with some text in them. Maybe some color. Which are usually a color. Um, <laughs> will move me forward in an action sequence. Like they might download a thing or buy a product or um, start contacting someone or send my uh, email address to something to join a thing, become a member, that sort of thing. So buttons are reserved for these like, are you sure you want to do this? This is the next step in the action sequence. Um, while links are just like, here's some more information. And when you mix the two up, it really confuses people. And we actually mm -hmm. see people doing that a lot. Yeah, yeah. So the solution to that is pretty easy. Just use buttons to move people to the next step in your action sequence, which is a phrase I've just invented, action <laughs> sequence, like it's a film or something. Um, and use the links for supporting information for both internal pages and external websites. Mm -hmm. Great. Moving on to number eight having really complicated or confusing navigation. We see this a lot and something that drives me nuts. <laughs> um, when someone goes to a website, typically they see everything above the fold. They see the logo typically in the top, top left. What is above the fold? Above the fold is what you see on your screen as is. Before scrolling. Before scrolling, yeah. And so, yeah, like I said, they typically see the, the logo on the top left or maybe center, which going back to our internet cues typically means if you click it, it goes back to the homepage. Mm -hmm. um, what else they see is they see the navigation because that is their anchor. Everything in the navigation is their safe space. No what what do we mean when we say navigation? Navigation are the links usually on the, across the top of a page or geez, we've seen now <laughs> this trend of hiding them behind these little mysterious icons. Um, I believe three line hamburger icon. The hamburger icon, yeah, I believe that's what's <laughs> called. Um, and or we see the links as is on the page, but there's so many of them. Yeah, generally, when people are not um, thinking about the content of their website before they build it, they haven't taken the time to sketch out what they've done. Um, they just sort of have pages that they're putting in their brochure and putting it on the web. Um, their navigation just becomes where all of the random pages live and there's no order to it. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Some go to external websites, some link you further down the page. There's just, it's random. Mm -hmm. It's confusing. Very, very. So navigation design is hard. <laughs> it's another one of those things like color, like this is what they teach in school for people who are becoming digital designers and doing websites. Um, it takes some thought. So there is a real structure to the information that you're sharing, kind of like I hinted at before. Um, and that structure is also helping the people who are looking for that information. So navigation helps the viewer, you know, be guided into the structure so they can find their way around. So the first step to making your navigation not totally confusing is sketch it out, just like when we were talking about wireframing your content on paper with mark with markers. Um, sketch out the main content categories and one trick is you can put them on index cards or post-it notes. 
and then you can sort them around so you can be like should this be its own section or should it be actually under this umbrella section where these three are grouped and you can play with different um, organizations until it makes sense and then you can design your navigation around that structure so again if if you haven't kind of picked this up doing all this prep work before even signing up for a Squarespace account or a Wix mm -hmm. account is going to help you design this whole website super fast, super streamlined, uh, less headache. Uh, so yeah, we are firm believers of prepping first, wireframing, figuring out the content before even pushing one pixel, before even logging into one CMS. It takes some thought, but it's worth yeah, it. It is. All right, moving on. Number nine, outdated websites. Yeah. We, we see this a lot as well. Um, we have a pretty active Twitter account, and Sarah and I both have access to it. So when I'm bored on my phone, I open up our Twitter account and kind of see who we're following and click on their profiles or someone that they mention. And then eventually, because I'm curious and want to know who's doing what in the climate space, I tend to click on links to their websites. And oftentimes, I go to someone's website and is unclear on if they're still in business. It's unclear on when they last updated the the website. Um, and I kind of get a sense of that because perhaps their social media bio about the company and the contents of the about page or on the website itself don't match. Uh, or perhaps a product is promised on social media and then when you go to the website, it's not there. Um, or someone reaching out to, uh, uh, reaching your website and they see a blog post from two years ago. So are they, does that mean they just stopped writing the blog? Does that mean the company is shut down? So yeah, it's just something that um, I get a little annoyed about because should I pursue them? Should I not pursue them? Yeah, if your whole website is there to build trust and help your um, viewers uh, know that you're a legitimate company, that you know they should work with you in some way, whether it's become a customer, or become an employer, become an investor, um, you know, and all of this work that you're doing on your social media or to promote your website, if it's not being reflected back in the website, you're losing that opportunity to gain that trust and build mm. that reputation. So what should they do instead? One idea is set up a monthly meeting to review this. So maybe you get together with whoever's updating your marketing content, or if it's all just you, set it on your calendar. Um, to review the website and what's new in your business, and then see what you can do on your website to reflect what's new in the last month. Whether you need to reflect new products, um, changes to your brand or your mission, new team members is always a good way to keep things fresh. Um, consider also if you were not blogging a lot, like maybe you wrote a few blog posts that really define in depth what it is that you're doing, describe your technology or whatever, you can leave the date off. Because if it's a evergreen article that's never going to go bad um, and you don't have someone on staff to add more blog posts regularly, it's better to have this content with no date on it. You know, think of it as just like an essay or just an article um, instead of, you know, the weblog dated formula doesn't necessarily have to be that way. And then that will remove the expectation that this will be updated regularly. Awesome. And last but not least, something near and dear to our hearts, messaging, or more specifically, weak sauce messaging. <laughs> I have no idea where that phrase came on. I, came from Sarah, I typed it up. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so this is when you go to a website and you read all of the text on the, on the website and you still wonder 
So what do they do? Mm-hmm. That is weak messaging. Yeah. Weak sauce messaging. Weak sauce. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually did a whole podcast on messaging mistakes and their solutions. It's called Top 5 Messaging Mistakes Climate Organizations Make, and we will include the link to that in the show notes. So we will just brush on by that one. Yeah, and we'll leave you with a bonus. We have one more bonus. We have a bonus. So making the mistake of waiting to launch until you have all the pages flushed out. And we see this all the time with our colleagues and clients. Uh, when we launch the Determine, I believe we launch with just one page. It was kind of a manifesto and an email sign-up form. Yeah. And that was it. And then eventually we added an about page maybe a few weeks later and then just slowly added more pages. But we felt like we didn't want to wait to launch because we wanted to get ourselves out there and have a place to point people to. Exactly. Yeah. So this isn't necessarily a mistake that we see on websites that are already launched. Like it's great to see a website that has fully fleshed out pages, but it's a mistake in the creation. When you're creating a website and you're not getting yourself out there because you don't have all the content done. And this can like freeze people for months and they'll never launch. So when you're in a hurry to launch, you can go live with, like Mark said, just a landing page with email collection. It can be like a coming soon page. Um, and if you do have that, as we mentioned in, in the first mistake, if you do have that PowerPoint, if you do have that keynote, <laughs> maybe have it as a downloadable link, sure. a downloadable PDF, just so something can someone can bite onto something more than what they see on the on the landing page. Download our deck now to learn more. Yeah, exactly. Enter your email, and then we will send you the PowerPoint deck. Yep. Boom. Yep. Done. And then you can start collecting emails and start um, communicating with them. And then once you have new content, you can send them an email and say, hey, we have this new content. So if you haven't guessed, we're big fans of email newsletters. Indeed. So to wrap it all up, creating a website is not rocket science. I mean, there are parts of it that take a little bit of thought that are kind of hard. But we have a human-centered design uh, perspective and process that shifts our outlook so it's easy to see what works and what doesn't. If you're thinking about everything from the point of view of what the visitor to your website is looking for and what they want to do, it starts to become really clear what some things are, are wrong. So instead of saving these kinds of design considerations for the end, uh, human-centered design ask, helps you ask the right questions early and come up with stronger communications. And we help people, we help lead people through this process. So we have a package called Soundcheck. And with Soundcheck, we will dive deep into who your target audience is and help you create a plan to build some kick-ass messaging or a kick-ass website. And once you get that plan, if you decide to move on to our next package, which is Amplify, that's when we create a custom workshop for you and start implementing that plan together. We'll build a team based on the exact project you're working on right now. If you need video or writers or whatever, we'll get them together and we'll help you prototype and test your messaging on at least three different people and test your website and your images and all the stuff that we talked about and um, help you build and launch your final website pitch deck or marketing campaign. If you are one of the bold rebels building a product that addresses our climate crisis, we can help you set yourself apart and amplify your climate impact. You can learn more about us at thedetermined.co. Yeah, thanks for listening. If you know anyone who might enjoy this podcast, feel free to share.